So this, um, this is the form that we use, the three refuges and the uh, eight precepts. And this is uh, you know, the, eight, the three refuges to explain that. That is, um, this is very important actually to, to get a kind of a clear idea of how to, uh, what this really means in a practical way because it, one can just do it perfunctorily like a parrot and say, Bhutan Sarnangachami in Pali. But it actually, you know, its meaning is to take refuge in the Buddha. And the Buddha is only talking about the here and now, the present moment, not about some dead sage, Indian sage, but about Buddha uh, is the consciousness in the present. So we take it in mindfulness. We, we, we begin to realize this Buddha, this refuge in Buddha through mindfulness. So it's not a person. Not taking refuge in in a person or or some kind of uh, devana, some kind of uh, energy in the universe or anything like that. It's it's much more direct. It's not abstract. It's uh, it really means the knowing, the mindfulness in the present. So this is saying Bhutang Sarnangachami is a reminder that be mindful. This Bhutto, this Buddha, is awareness. And it's, it's um, not conditioned, it's not about, uh, you know, even religion. It's about uh, being aware, awake. Like each one of us is, is here and we all think we're awake, but we might be living in our own world, in you know, our own scenarios and views and opinions. And so we, we create a world that we live in. Now to, to be able to get perspective on that world, is the Buddha. The Buddha knows the world. And so that is mindfulness. Or, and so when we say Bhutang Sarnangachami, that's what, what I use it for. Is this, It reminds me not to believe, not to get caught up in my own uh, conditioning, my own feelings or opinions or views. And then the Buddha knows the Dhamma, or the so Dhammang Sarnangachami is uh, truth, uh, ultimate truth, or the truth of the way it is. And truth is here and now. It's not an abstract truth about, you know, some kind of ultimate truth in an abstract way. It's real. It's reality. So the reality of now is is Dhamma, and the Buddha realizes, recognizes Dhamma, or the way it is. So on this retreat, you know, you're, you're awakening to Dhamma. You know, you're, you're opening your, yourself up to reality, rather than just trying to uh, get caught up in views, opinions, solution of personal problems, straightening out the world, uh, solving your family's problems, and all the rest that we one can spend the whole retreat just trying to figure out how to how to reshape the world. But during this retreat, it's not about making a better world, but recognizing the world, 
knowing the world as impermanent. It arises, ceases in our consciousness. So in Buddhism, the, the world is about the world we create. It's not about external planet or anything. It's about uh, with the world that we create out of our ignorance and desires and attachments. So that is, the Buddha knows the world and knows that the world is uh, impermanent. It's a Nietzsche. And the Buddha knows the Amata Dhamma, or ultimate, the deathless reality. Uh, and so this is, Buddha recognizes, this is a, a rea- the reality of now, in which the world arises and ceases. So that's the Dhamma then Sangha, Sankang Sanangachami. I go to the Sangha, I, to the Sangha I go for refuge. And that is, uh, you and I, individual human beings, practicing the Dhamma. So, I mean, it's, it's not about persons, uh, personality. Sangha implies group, you know, it's not, not about individuals, but about groups. So when we're really taking refuge in the Sangha, we're, you know, developing awareness, recognizing Dhamma, uh, and, and therefore, each one of us is also taking refuge in the Sangha as a group. You know, our aim here is to realize Dhamma, to realize truth, to recognize it. It's here and now, it's not something you lack or don't, you know, you've got to get. It's just awakening and recognizing. Now, we're all uh, highly conditioned by our culture, education, uh, our experience of life, uh, and so forth. And these, these affect our, how the worlds that we create, that we live in. So, uh, you know, these, the, the, we may live in different worlds, have different tastes, different preferences, different attitudes, likes and dislikes. But consciousness is one. We're not... We're not separate consciousnesses. We're sep- we create the separation through our conditioning. I am this person, you are that person. And believing in this is the ultimate reality. This is our commitment to ourselves, our own world. Then we create this division. So in this Buddha Dhamma Sangha, as refuges, we're not, it's not, it's not, even though this is a convention using three refuges, which is a kind of division, it's more of an expedient way of reflecting. So it includes you as a physical human being uh, that is mindful and realizing the Dhamma, or the ultimate truth. So it includes all those who practice the Dhamma. So when we say it's the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings, these are, this is the one when the morning chanting, this is about, uh, you know, real, those who, who recognize the path, the stream, uh, the sotapanna, the, those who, who realize the stream. And we're not really practicing Dhamma till we realize that. That we recognize it. Uh, so we can be 
we can we have ideas about how I need to practice and what is the Dhamma, but that's still coming from from uh, intellectual ideas, from your own ways of defining it and and personal uh, interpretations. So this emphasis on meditation, on bhati-bhata, or practice, is to awaken consciousness, to, you know, where wisdom operates, which is universal, it's not personal or cultural or even religious. It's completely natural. So then we take uh, the second time you do dudiyampi, tatiyampi, and this is a tradition to reaffirm it three times. First time you may just be heedless and say it like a parrot. And second time you have a chance to, to really mean it. And third time you can really, it really sinks in, hopefully. <laughs> and then the, then the eight precepts are about um, the first one is to refrain from taking life of any living creature. So this is, you know, the, uh, this is, this is a most important precept. I mean, in, especially uh, not taking the life of other human beings. You know, everybody took the first precept in its most coarse interpretation. If every, now this is wishful thinking, but if everybody in the world would take the first precept in its most coarse interpretation, not to intentionally kill other human beings, war would stop. But here at, at, uh, uh, at Spirit Rock, we're expanding, expanding that to living creatures. So it's respect for life for the uh, insects, birds, and so forth that live here in, in the, the center, not to intentionally you know, see them and, and kill them. Then, uh, so it's, it's about respecting life uh, and the right to live of other creatures. Then, Adina Dana, undertake the precept to refrain from that which is not given. So we're living in sharing facilities in this center, uh, in your rooms, and you uh, share things, and so the attitude is to to respect the property of the uh, spirit rock, not to misuse it, you know, be heedless about it. Uh, not to, and of course, in its most coarse interpretation, not to steal things. But in, in a retreat like this, we're refining it to respect, say, you, the person you're sharing your room with, respect their, their property, their things, and not just take for granted using things without getting permission. Then Abramacharya is to undertake the precept to refrain from any kind of sexual activity. So during this retreat, there's, um, you know, we we have sexual uh, bodies and energies that are natural to this uh, state of being human, and so these uh, can still operate even in a meditation retreat, but we're not acting on them. So that your relationship to sexual desire is observing, knowing the Buddha's knowing Dhamma rather than, uh, you know, acting on it or just feeling guilty or, uh, uh, you know, feeling guilty about feeling sexual desires. It's about recognizing 
when this when the conditions for this desire arises uh, and but we do not act on it in any way but we observe it we accept it we know it so our refuge is in buddha dhamma sangha rather than in personal views about sexuality or fears and 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 that that we might have then musavadavaramani undertake the precept to refrain from false and harmful speech and this is uh, not you know not to tell lies or curse or swear or or abuse others insult nor or harm others with speech it's also uh, we're expanding this to noble silence now noble silence uh, you notice the word noble it's not tyrannical silence so sometimes the noble silence becomes a form of tyranny you go around telling people to shut up and and being a tyrant uh you know get angry with people who who do talk and that's a a tyrannical demand on silence but noble silence noble is we take responsibility for speech like nobility when i use this word it's i'm taking responsibility for my speech and since this uh, the attitude of this retreat is silent then uh, you know i'm not uh, going to just uh, use the speech you know for gossip or or but if something necessary happens like when interviews and and uh, things happen then i'm quite willing to speak so it's a, a mindful using speech mindfully and suramaya is i undertake the precept to refrain from consuming intoxicating drinks and drugs which lead to carelessness so that uh, speaks for itself not to to uh, use a lot of drugs or or not to mention taking uh, uh, intoxicating drinks because we we're really learning to awaken to a consciousness that isn't influenced or affected by uh, chemicals and drugs so you want to develop this awareness with a with a consciousness that is not being influenced uh, unnecessarily by by uh, drugs of, or drink so we want even if you you find uh, the going tough and uh, you would like to have a drink or take some kind of drugs uh then that still bear with it you know use it as an opportunity to observe to see it in terms of buddha knowing dhamma rather than uh you know uh thinking that that it's getting in the way of your practice whatever happens to you on this retreat see it is the way of practicing of understanding of knowing rather than as uh, you know the good retreat or bad retreat Uh, everything has to be just so otherwise i can't meditate this is this is a delusion this is a world we create about i need this and i have to have that in order to meditate that is the the basic delusion that blocks off stream entry so whenever that arises you know all your views about what you need or like or don't like observe that not to you know you shouldn't have those thoughts but they are thoughts they're creations that one attaches to and believes in 
and we're looking at them in terms of what they are. They're arising conditions, arising ceasing. We're discerning them in terms of Dhamma rather than in, in terms of uh, whether I like or don't like the conditions I'm experiencing. And then Vikala Pochana is uh, undertake the precept to refrain from eating at inappropriate times. So that is another restraint. Usually, like in ordinary life, we can, you know, this is a society where we can eat any time we want. We can have munchies and cookies and chips and, and all kinds of things in the, in the fridge. Uh, uh, you know, that when we get least bit upset or frustrated, we can eat something. So see, this, this, is, a, this is another way of, of distracting ourselves that is quite common in an affluent society. So just, you know, the, the designated times we're eating, and it's, um, that is to, you know, feel free to eat fully at those times. But to observe yourself, you know, if you're a kind of food addict or addicted to sweets or whatever, this is a chance to begin to observe this. Not to criticize yourself, it's not a self-criticism, but to observe this, this, this impulse, this uh, obsessiveness of the, that we create about needing something to eat. Or, and, and so that you, you know, and then eating at the designated times. But watching, you know, observing, being the puto, knowing the, the Dhamma. And then the, this long one, uh, undertake the precepts to refrain from entertainment, beautification, and adornment. So this is agreement on this kind of retreat to not seek distractions with, uh, you know, television or dancing, singing, playing games, dressing up, uh, and doing all the, the things that one uh, is quite enjoys doing in ordinary life, where we seek entertainment and distraction. Uh, and, and we want to observe this. We our aim during this retreat, it's only a nine-day retreat, is to be the observer. So this this is a guideline for not to to dis- seek distract. Or if you do seek distractions, observe this tendency to want to to seek something, to entertain you or distract you in some way or another. And then the last one, Ujjasana Mahasana, undertake the precept to refrain from lying on a high or luxurious sleeping place. So, <laughs> so this means just don't spend the next nine days sleeping. <laughs> so this, these eight precepts are guidelines. They're not, they're not like commandments or rules. It's a very important distinction in the Buddhist uh, terms. Oftentimes we see precepts as like Ten Commandments or rules that we have to keep. And, and observe how you do regard precepts. You know, there's a rule that I have to keep. Or I'll be punished if I don't. You know, if I speak, chit-chat with somebody, I should be punished. Or if I eat something I might be punished for it. There's a fear conditioning that we can also watch, of being afraid of breaking a precept because we we fear of being punished for breaking a rule. But these are guidelines for for how we're going to live with each other during this 
next 10 days. And they're to help you with mindfulness. They're not meant to be a kind of intimidating uh, moral commandments that, that um, you're going to fail at or that you fear. But this is, uh, what we're doing is really rising up to a level of awareness. So we're not like children or a military unit that needs you know, a lot of discipline and, and kind of beating you into shape and forcing you to do things. It's, it's each one of us is over 20, I assume. You look over 20. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you, uh, and so we, uh, take, you know, we, we take for granted that this is, we're taking responsibility where, you know, this is our chance to, to use these precepts for, you know, and see how they affect us. And where, you know, where we, you know, we don't, we want to break them or just observe that tendency to, to, to rebel against it or to resist or whatever way that you emotionally react to these. Be a, be a knower of that. It's like this. You know, or just I'm not going to bother with some of those precepts, so we can pick and choose. You know, I'm going to decide which precepts are. This is, you know, a kind of rebellious attitude. But where, you know, this Bhutto is a knowing of this, these, these attitudes, these, these emotional reactions we have. And it's not criticizing, not saying there's anything wrong, good or bad about it, but it's like this. The conditioned realm is like this. And when you begin to really appreciate this, you realize the conditioned realm is always dukkha. When you attach to the conditioned realm, you're thrown into the realm of agitation and change and discontentment and unhappiness because that's the nature of the conditioned realm. There's no permanent refuge in the conditioned realm. It's always, everything, you know, eventually leads to uh, its ending, to its loss, to old age, sickness, death. And that's the nature of the conditioned realm. But in this refuge, we're taking refuge in the unconditioned, in reality, not in any changing condition. So when we take the three refuges, Bhutto, Tammo, Sankho, this is taking, you know, what this points to is awareness. Now this is, awareness is the, the very essence of the Buddha Dhamma. And this is the uniqueness of Buddhism as a religion. It's, a, it's this emphasis on awareness, on mindfulness, attentiveness, consciousness with awareness, in which we begin to realize this is our natural, this is our refuge. The deathless, the unconditioned Dhamma is, the real, is real. And, uh, and the conditioned realm is illusory. So we, the worlds we create are illusory. They're illusions that we, we cling to uh, and um, and, beca- and suffer from those illusions. So this is just to, to 
you know, you can request these precepts, the refuges and the precepts. This is how I encourage you to, to regard them as, uh, as uh, helpful conventions for mindfulness. So this um, attitude of this retreat is, is really one of, of uh, you know, encouragement. Uh, what I try to do is encourage awareness. You can't, I can't force you or make you aware. You know, if I could, I would, but I can't. <laughs> so it's, uh, but it, we need encouragement. And uh, this is, let's say this retreat is about encouraging you. And, uh, you know, to trust this awareness. Because on a personal level, we don't tend to trust ourselves very much. We're so confused by our, you know, our emotions and feelings that we, we, don't, uh, we don't develop confidence in anything other than maybe in, you know, we hold to some external standard or a teacher or a system or whatever. But the, and we depend, I mean, we, we find our confidence arising through clinging. Well, this kind of confidence is through wisdom. A confidence in awareness, not in what you think or believe or feel or a sense of yourself or your sense of self, you know, being, uh, having no self. Sometimes we, we, we're confused, we don't even know who we are, and we find that distressing. Sometimes we're strongly identified with certain perceptions. They see myself as this and that, and, and very, cling very strongly to perceptions of self. And my confidence lies in believing in these perceptions. But these are always shakeable. Conditioned phenomena always shakes. It's, uh, it's uh, because it is, that's its nature, it's changing. And, and then we're in a society that wants to affirm itself all the time as individuals. Uh, so that we're, there's always a demand to, to assert ourselves as an individual. And this is strongly cultural, uh, you know, here in America. And so this assertion of self, uh, you know, we, we struggle with that, but it still makes us unconfident, even though we might appear that way. The confidence comes through understanding, through wisdom. And, uh, and this is confidence, trust in awareness. And it's something so simple and so natural. It's not a created refined, precious state of consciousness. It's just not recognized. You know, so the, this retreat, hopefully you, you know, those of you, many of you probably have recognized this, but the encouragement is always to trust it and to recognize it, to determine, to cultivate awareness in your life rather than, you know, become a retreat addict. You know, think I can only be aware on retreats. And that, you're binding yourself to that limitation. Awareness is no, you know, is not, uh, is not damaged, even in the, mo- in the battlefield or whatever. You know, once you recognize awareness, 
mindfulness and sampachanya or uh, this apperception, apperceiving, the kind of embracing conscious awareness of the moment, which is inclusive. It's not a divisive separation of anything. So it's completely natural and un, un, uncreated. That's why you can't do it as a willful act. You can't make yourself mindful as a, as a willful act. The attitude towards mindfulness then is, you know, to learning to relax and open, open yourself, relax, watch, be the observer, the bhutto, be this knowing, the observer, rather than someone trying to get something. These are sometimes meditation is we're always trying to get states, get refined consciousness, get jhanas, get attainments, trying to get rid of defilements, get rid of our egos, get rid of our anger and all these kind of things. And this is, this is uh, you know, the self-operating, you know, always trying to get rid of what you don't like or trying to get something that you want that you don't have. You see, so these are desires that that we we we're blinded by, and so this awakening is awakening to desire. It's not a suppression of it, but recognizing. And this awakened consciousness then is your refuge, what you can trust, and where liberation is. So this. That we use this traditional form and the, the three refuges, eight precepts, as a conventional. It's only a conventional form, so it's not. It's not an end in itself. It's merely meant to be a help, skillful means towards awareness. So this is up to each one of us to how we use this convention for awareness. You know, this is, uh, it's, not, it's not meant for, you know, for, uh, you know, something to be attached to and depend on. It's, it's a skillful means, guidelines. In, in a community, you're agreeing on how to relate to each other and things about not killing or using abusive speech and things like this. But we can still feel, you know, you might want to murder me at the end of this retreat. And <laughs> I mean, if such a, a thought arises, it's, you know, they say, I've taken the first precept. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot do that. But if you're aware, then you can at least be aware that that is a condition. You know, a, a, a a feeling you have that arises. And it's like this. Or if you, if you, if you feel guilty, you know, oh, I shouldn't, I, you know, I want to kill Arjun Samedo and I shouldn't, then you became, make it more than what it is. You see, you're putting something onto it. I shouldn't, uh, I'm a terrible person for feeling this anger and hatred uh, towards this wise master. <laughs> And, and so I'm a bad person. You've added, you've created something more. Where if, uh, you know, just the feeling of aversion 
is like this. And this is where you need to trust this, this awareness embraces the feeling. It's not clinging, it's not an embrace like holding and clinging, but it allows a feeling to be what it is. And if you do that, then it nature's to cease. So it's not up to you to get rid of it or to judge it, it's just recognizing, being the Buddha knowing the Dhamma rather than this person with a problem. Now what this retreat here is something very, uh, you know, this is kind of like spoon feeding, you know. This is it's a special situation, this beautiful meditation center. Um, everything's laid on for you. You've got, you know, the schedule and you've got uh, meals and cooks and staff that run the place and all kinds of things that are happening that you don't even have to think about. It's none of your business. Uh, so this is a, you know, so during this retreat, you know, your, your whole, you know, the, the, the encouragement is to use this retreat for this awareness and beginning to trust it and, and rest in it. And then as you, as you trust it more and more, then it's easy to integrate into uh, ordinary life. You know, it's not, it's not, mindfulness is not dependent on, on having a, such a perfect setup as Spirit Rock. It, this is a, this is an offering and an opportunity, but this is not how we have to live, you know, in daily life. So it is, uh, you know, a kind of opportunity that's available now that, that you've uh, determined to, to use. And so this is, you know, see it as a, you know, a kind of blessing for you, because we do need uh, sometimes we need to have special situations where we can get perspective, where things aren't, we're not under demand and pressure from family or work or the world around us, where we have our sole uh, kind of encouragement is to be awake and aware of what we're actually feeling. So it is a, you know, a, a very good situation, but it is like special. And we, all, we can't live in special situations. We have to live in ordinary daily life with traffic jams and families and work and whatnot. And so this is, but these are not obstructions to mindfulness. Families, uh, professions, work, relationships, if we have trust in awareness, if we have this, this refuge and this, this uh, respect for awareness within ourselves, then we can deal with what we have to in our private life, whatever that might be. Where it's easy to feel I'm, I can't really develop spiritually because of all my responsibilities and duties to the family, raising a family, uh, making a living. And, and so we can convince ourselves that, these, that we can't really develop or practice uh, because of this. This is another thought we create and a belief that we have, that if we grasp this 
perception, then we become like that. We, you know, we we bind ourselves to a condition and we become like that condition. So this is, uh, you know, learning to recognize the unconditioned, the reality of now, awakened attentiveness, and 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 it's non-critical. It's not saying whatever you're feeling or thinking is right or wrong, but about it's like this. So we use this word, it's like this, or the way it is. It's a, it's a way of observing something without judging it. So if you're feeling terrible, it's like this, terrible is like this. And it, to me, it's like when I do this, this gesture, it's like receiving something. Maybe I don't like it, but this, you know, it's an unpleasant feeling, but it's like this. Then my, uh, you know, I can observe it. I can bear with it. I can endure its presence and begin to recognize it's, it's, a, it's, it's not something permanent. It's something, it's, it, it, you know, when you're fully accepting a condition, you're aware of its anicca, its changingness, its impermanence. So then you, then this the mindfulness is, is this discerning ability to know the condition as the condition and know the unconditioned as the unconditioned. And if you keep pursuing this, you do, you begin, you know, you, you have moments of insight but then one easily falls back into old patterns and fears and desires and whatnot. But the but the, this, as you trust yourself more and more, you'll see you don't want to get caught in that anymore. In all the problems and likes and dislikes and that of the world. You, you see it's just endless and, and pointless to just try to straighten out the world, world all the time. And, and uh, so you, you let go of the world. And then your ability to, to, to be of use in the world is from wisdom, not from personal preference or, or views or opinions or prejudices or, or ideals of how things should be. So in, in this way, it's like at this time in the States, you can see it's a, a very confusing time. The society is, you know, it's not just here, it's everywhere. Very, uh, all over the world is very confused. Nobody knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, everybody's stumbling around in the dark. And, and that's because there's, wisdom is not a refuge. It's all about views and opinions, about holding on to power, and about, you know, control, and about... Uh, trying to to uh, get rid of the evil forces, the axis of evil, uh, to try to annihilate the devil, kill the devil, or or you know try to get rid of your enemies. Uh, so this is a dualistic framework of thought, and uh, so we have we're we're caught in this at this time with this, uh, and it, you know, it's a momentum is building up of, 
of fear conditioning, control and fear, uh, and, then the, and then the confusion that comes from that. So, you know, by your very interest in doing this retreat, your willingness to, uh, to do this retreat, I sit here with sore knees and all that for 10 days, <laughs> this is uh, very admirable, uh, because you are, you know, this is a way that you can, we can help in, in so many, you know, in the world in general. Not from personal views about how I want the world to be, but through, through breaking through the illusions we create around the world. So then our relationship to the world is compassion, loving kindness, metta karuna mudita, Upeka, the four Brahma-viharas, come from this empty consciousness. You know, how we relate to the environment, to other creatures, is then from the purity of consciousness that is manifested through these four uh, Brahma-viharas, or sublime abodes. So it's not like you get... You get, you see the dumb, the deathless, and you go into a zombie-like trance, and the world, the hell with it, you don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm fed up with it. It's not about uh, negative resignation to misery, or uh, you know, annihilating the world, but knowing the world is the world. So in this way, you know, this, this wisdom is, is the, you can see in the from my own experience over the past 50 years in, in Buddhism, the amount of growing interest in meditation, because it's greatly needed now, here in the States and in, in Europe, everywhere. You, we get invitations all over the place to, to teach meditation. Because it's a, you know, an awakening of human individuals too, uh, too dhamma or too... You know, this, we all have this impulse or this, this longing, spiritual longing for returning to this natural state of being, which, you know, we, we're so tired of controlling and becoming and, and uh, getting caught into the endless complexities of fears and desires that, that we create. So we're returning or we're recognizing this very natural state that we've forgotten and that we don't create and that is the uncreated. And so that's why you can trust it because it's not something dependent on how you're feeling or whether things are going well or not. Or whether there's, you know, the world is peaceful or at war. So now I will, we can close and um, may you have a good night's sleep and meet here at 5.30.